Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. His sermon is entitled, Peace on Earth. Barnabas. Good afternoon. Glad you could make it out. It's supposed to be some, I guess, snow and sleet somewhere in the vicinity today. But we made it here, and I'm passing out some, uh, some uh, what the sermon is about. So if we run out, I think Rick could probably make some more. They believe in God, and they believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in the Word of God. They believe in the Bible. They believe in love, and they believe in forgiveness because they know that those who forgive shall be forgiven. But they live in a land where there is hatred, where there is desolation, where there is fear because they face eradication, they face persecution, and their numbers have decreased. They live where ISIS militants mark their houses with the Arab equivalent of the letter N to mark them as Nazarene, a derogatory term for them. Their houses are marked with this for these Christians to either leave or die or convert to the state religion of Islam. In the biblical lands of Iraq, it, the headline read, Christianity is in peril. Cities like Bartella, where Bibles have been burned, and uh, other Christian towns of northern Iraq, where 10 years ago, 35,000 lived in Mosul, now 20 or 30, according to this article that I read. They are refugees. They are outcasts. They are not really wanted but they have only a few places to go, and some have come to the U.S., some have gone to Australia, some have gone to Europe. Now, they are not perfect in their beliefs or in the knowledge that you and I have. They are not perfect in all areas, even as we are in some of the areas that uh, we uh, have studied and looked to. But they hold fast to their Christian belief. They hold fast to their faith under great adversity. What would we do if we were in their shoes? What would we do if we lived like they have to live? Or lived in places where uh, there is genocide and war, like in uh, Southern Africa, places like that. But even then, the peace that we have is often shaky, not stable, and is uncertain. So peace on earth, where, when, and how. So peace is a word that we will come across in the scriptures that I have uh, written out today. It is common at this time of year to hear the words peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And this comes from Luke 2, uh, 14, where it says, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. 
It's not easy to think about those places in other parts of the world where there is suffering and war and death. It's easy for Americans at this time to get lost in the, in the holiday cheer and the excitement of, of the season. Now, we feel relatively safe. That is, until something comes along that suddenly takes that peace and security away. Maybe at the mall or the theater or the restaurant or the park or the highway or the school or the bank or the store or like in a church Bible study where hatred and evil just bides its time and then takes away life and peace. As wickedness grows, so does the threat to peace. Peace is something that a lot of people don't have. But we, at least on this part of the earth, are, are most blessed by God and are fortunate to have what we have. To have peace means to have calm. It means to have freedom from, from uh, disruption in our life, from hostilities and so on. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, and in verse 34, it says, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to bring peace or to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. We know that a sword is, um, we picture as a weapon of war or aggression or even defense. But a sword is meant to cut in whatever way it is used. And he says in verse 35, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household, of his own family, of his own neighborhood or his community or his nation. So to believe in the Lord, we, we see what this means. That means to have full commitment to him, to the Lord, even if it means going against one's family tradition or wishes or even that of the country one lives in. Some of you may have experienced this when you uh, decided that, that it's not right to really uh, to keep Christmas or to... Uh, or to go to church on, uh, on Saturday rather than Sunday in the tradition that uh, we, uh, you've been brought up in. Some of you may have experienced this. And now we observe the Sabbath. Now we keep the uh, holy days uh, of God. In verse 21, uh, up above, And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. I don't think we've come to this point completely, but according to the word of Christ, it will come in that time when there is going to be contention, when there's going to be uh, threats to peace. In Micah 7, verse 1, he said, Micah said, Woe is me. For I am as they have, when they have gathered the summer fruit, as the grape gleanings of the vintage, there is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. But Micah imagined himself going out 
to find good fruit, fruits of peace. He was hungry for it like many are today, but there was a lack of that. And he says the good man has perished out of the earth and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood and they hunt every man his brother with a net. So in that time, in that time pictured, the evil is more prevalent than the righteous. So we know that there's a lot of evil going on in the world. There's a lack of peace in the world. A lot of trouble just maybe down the street or in this or that city where many are oppressed. And sometimes you really can't trust anyone because they might be up to something. On your walk to the car, you know, you have to be heads up. Look out for such people because there are many out there that they may do evil with both hands uh, earnestly. The prince asks and the judge asks for a reward and the great man, he utters his mischievous, mischievous desire so they wrap it up. You know, both hands are skilled in working uh, evil. They know the ropes. They know what strings to pull, what to say, and uh, what uh, papers to shuffle around where the truth gets lost in the shuffle. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts brides. The powerful dictate what they want. They all conspire together to cause trouble. Verse 4, the best of them is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be, now shall be their perplexity. So, trust not in a friend. Kind of uh, really uh, uh, shocking words there. You know, you got a friend that you trust, but then it says, trust not in a friend. Somebody you know, have confidence in. Trust not in a friend. Put you not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of your mouth from her that lieth in your bosom. Those closest to us. So there are places and things where you must be careful in what you say to the point of even being suspicious of people close to you. That's what occurs when there is a lack of peace, when there are threats to your safety and your security. Some look to, you know, I, I sometimes use the example of the uh, Facebook pages as a close companion where, you know, bad things can happen, things that can go wrong and and you risk your peaceful existence when in the heat of anger or, or, or the moment some send out things that return to them with trouble. Verse 6, as it said uh, there in uh, earlier, for the son dishonors the father, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies are the men of his own house. Matthew 24 gives us the reason. He says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So we all desire peace, of which, you know, unity is a product, and, you know, vice versa. But can two walk together unless they be agreed? Unfortunately, you know, there's bound to be disagreements. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, 
Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name and the authority or in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing and there, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That is not really uh, one of those things, I guess, that a lot of churches have to put up with because there are a lot of people who don't have agreements. They're either tired of hearing the word of God, tired of hearing uh, the people that uh, bring the word of God, familiarity breeds contempt, and it creates disunity. And he is saying that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's an ideal that we should strive for, but sometimes it's just hard to do. The word divisions is from the Greek word schismata, and it means tears or cracks. And when you have tears or cracks, you know the strength is weakened. It's a compromise. So here in Corinth, there was a debate over Christian leaders that... that, that that was affecting the unity of the congregation, leading to open hostility and opposition. Paul says, For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. He heard about all these things going on in the congregation, that there was a division building. And verse 12, Now this I say, that every one of you says, I am of Paul, I of Apollos, I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Question mark. Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul was saying that the Corinthians should have Christ in common, rather than looking or trusting in a man of their choosing, and in choosing sides for, for the sake of a party spirit. Then they are tempted to argue which one is right or which one is best or, or, or which uh, naturally will cause division, be it friendly or not. Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. While we can expect the world in its politics be divided, there should be no schism, division in the church. Focus should be on Jesus, upon the Word. But there are many Christian churches and denominations that have arisen from differences within. Is Christ divided? Paul asked. The point being that in the matter of factions or schisms or divisions, the Corinthians, they were not looking at it from God's point of view. And they were acting foolishly, being carnal. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? So 
It's a question that he poses to them that only the listener could ask of himself. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believed even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God that gives the increase. Now he that plants and he that waters are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. So differences in politics or religion can be very divisive and confusing as we see in our land today. And peace is tested. But if we focus on Christ, if that focus on Christ is loss, then so peace will be lost. Is there peace on earth? And as the words to a song, I'm always tempted to sing some of these songs, but you may remember this. The, the lyric went, uh, let there be peace on earth and uh, the kind of peace that was meant to be. Remember that? <laughs> no. The peace that was meant to be. We all desire peace. Peace in the family. Peace with one another. Peace in the community. Peace in the world. Peace with God. Peace in our, peace in our nation. And peace of mind. But how do we contend for that peace? And like uh, there's some other words that go to a song. Uh, I think I repeated that, but I just read my... Uh, sentence wrong. Peace, like many other fruits of God, God's spirit, it begins within. It begins within our minds. It begins within our hearts. And we exemplify that in what we do and what we say, how we respond to things that might be adverse to us. In, in Corinthians 14, 33, I don't have that list there, but I, we read that God is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of peace, as in all churches of the saints so we're not the only church of saints there are other churches and peace should be one of those those operative words that we hear so as in all churches the fruits of God's spirit is is preached and exemplified and in fellowship so in 1st Corinthians chapter 13 Paul says to examine yourself look at yourself whether you be in the faith Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you? Except you be reprobates or, you know, a person without moral uh, principles. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we wish even your perfection. Therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord has given me to edification and not to destruction. But Paul didn't want to come off too strong. He didn't want to come off as 
a powerful tyrant of some sort. He wanted to use an approach in which people would listen and with their hearts and minds take in what Paul is saying from the word of God. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. And greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now up in verse 1 of that uh, uh, same chapter, Paul said, he said, this is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time and being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again, I will spare, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Now the power of Paul to do something to change their, their carnal behavior is through Christ. Christ is in them those people to whom he was addressing this, this letter, and they should know how to behave. They have the Holy Spirit of God. They are the saints at Corinth. But it is up to them to listen and to understand what Paul is trying to get across to help them to have peace and not division, and, but, but be of one mind and one judgment. Paul was an apostle. He was a spiritual leader, and he was Christ's spokesman. spokesman. And so to refuse his correction would be to refuse that of Jesus Christ. And so he reminded them that Jesus is mighty in them. So if they refuse this correction, you know, they, they refuse that of Christ. Paul could not punish him, but Christ could. And Christ will be the one to discipline them. And we know that there is peace of mind when, when we are striving for peace and unity, living as Christ in us. We're familiar with the expression over in Jeremiah 6.14. Jeremiah, he said, people say, peace, peace, where there is no peace. We think, there are, uh, we, think we are at peace, but there are you know, really undercurrents of hostility that makes us fearful at times. There are seldom really any complete feelings of peace of mind because not all of society follows after the things that make for peace. And so we may wonder, well, who can we turn to? Who can we trust? What can we say? What can we do? Isaiah 59, sometimes, you know, we've got to go to the source of peace. Is there no peace in the family? Do you perceive there's no peace wherever you are, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe at school, maybe somewhere else. We go to the source of peace. Uh, verse 1, Behold the Lord's hand, and this is in Isaiah 59, Behold the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. 
Sometimes you may think, well, you know, I don't think the Lord's listening to me. I think he's gone way off or, or either that or I'm just not saying the right thing. But his hand is not shortened that he cannot say. He knows what you want even before you ask of him. But your iniquities, and this happens, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. When you continue to walk in iniquities, when you continue to walk in sin, when you continue to walk away from peace and, and striving for unity, then sometimes your prayer is, is not going to be answered right away. But God is merciful, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he says, for your hands are defiled with blood. And he's talking about a, a, a nation that has gone that way. Your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor any pleads for truth. They trust in vanity and, they, and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrices, eggs, and weave the spider's web. He that eats of their way, uh, eggs dies, and that which is crushed breaks out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goes therein shall not know peace. It's, uh, dropping on down to verse 11. Uh, some of these scriptures that I have are lengthy. And I don't want to uh, tax your, uh, uh, your uh, patience. But it says we roar all like bears. And mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment. We st uh, but there is none. Salvation for salvation, but it is far off from us. Jesus said in Isaiah, though Jesus said, I came uh, not to send peace but a sword, Isaiah uh, said this in, verse, uh, in chapter 9. We read this, and this uh, is a hope on top of all of those dire things that are pronounced in, in the book of Isaiah. He says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he spoke this at a time when, you know, uh, Savior had not yet been born of the Virgin Mary. But now we can look back upon Isaiah's words and see where that has come to pass for us as a prince of peace and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this and this is what we want to be a part of this is what we are looking forward to 
We want to be in that kingdom. And we're wanting to do the things that will lead us into that kingdom. Jesus is a child born. And he's also a son given to the world. He came as an infant, though he existed in eternity as God the Son. And so for our sakes, Jesus was sent to save sinners, to save us, giving his life that we may live. And we see that he will come again and reign as king of kings on the earth as the prince of peace. You know, in, uh, in the first message, we, uh, we heard how there are some awesome things, some things that uh, just could send chills up your back and, and really make you think that here is a being that is going to come back to this earth as king of kings and take control and bring peace to the earth. And already, he is, he is the prince of peace in our life. Already, he is the prince of peace in our life. We are the ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors of Christ. Our life in the body of Christ is to be an example of that time that is to come. We read these scriptures over and over many times. The longer you're in the church, the more times you're going to hear them. Until sometimes, you know, you're, you, your ears just uh, stop up and <laughs> no more can, can be put in, 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 between, in between the ears. But Jesus, seeing the multitudes, and he spoke to this crowd, knowing that we would be hearing in the same words. He went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Just as we come to Sabbath services to hear the word spoken, to hear uh, uh, from uh, uh, our fellow uh, members here in the church, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's good to be around, you know, people who are humble. And when you see that humility, that humbleness, you know that they are, that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, because we know that they will be comforted by the word of God, by others who uh, share the spirit, the same spirit. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, ever since uh, uh, my wife, uh, you know, you ladies have been having the Bible studies. <laughs> she is hungry more so after words in the Bible. She is more attentive even to the lessons that uh, I write down for her. And so, blessed are they which do hunger after righteousness because they shall be filled. If you're not hungering after righteousness, you're going to not have all the nutrients you need in life. And I would 
say that sometimes, you know, we just put it off until maybe the Sabbath. We forget, you know, to in our daily life to go after and eat of the bread of life. And it shows up when you're not humble. And it shows up when you're not meek. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those people in, in those faraway lands and the other side of the world who are facing persecution, you know, you know God keeps an eye out. He's able to save or destroy. He knows whom he can save and who he wants to save. Everything is in his hand. And blessed are you when men shall revile you. Have you been reviled recently or lately? Have you been persecuted? Have some said all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake? Like those people there, the other side of the world. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You know, and comparatively speaking, we, we, we have it pretty good. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. So let your light shine, verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Romans 12, uh, verse 9, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. You know, that's the thing that will get you through trouble and trial and, and, and uh, lack of having peace and is being patient in tribulation and rejoicing in the hope that we have from uh, what God has promised us and continuing instant in prayer distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality bless them which persecute you bless and curse not because if you don't do those things you know peace is uh, bound uh, to fall through cracks rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceable with all men. You know, in order to do that, you have to abide in Christ. Abide in me, and I in you, he said, as a branch cannot bear fruit except it abide in the vine. 
abide in the Holy Spirit that uh, we have been uh, fortunate to be given. Now, you know, there, there can be situations in which uh, it is not possible for peace to reign. So in such a case, you know, in verse 19, Dearly beloved, uh, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So if you think, you know, well, I need to uh, make my own peace. I need to settle score. I need to uh, have vengeance. Don't do that, he says. Because vengeance is mine, I will repay. And what we are to do instead, and it's hard. It's like those people there on the other side of the world in Iraq where these Christians know that if they forgive, they shall be forgiven and love their enemy. Verse 20, Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, ye shall heap coals of fire on his head. You know, a lot of people do wrong. But to do wrong in response to that wrong is, is just only to further the, uh, and deepen the strife. So be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Psalm 34, what man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off remembrance of them from the earth. How are his eyes upon us? The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. 1 Peter 3, uh, Peter says the same thing, virtually the same thing. Finally, be you all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Not rendering evil for evil. And that's the way it seems like it is in society where, you know, someone's got to uh, go uh, respond in like manner and top the other or have the last word. For he that will love life and seek good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Try to wrap it up here in the next five, seven minutes. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation, the hope of being saved, the hope of being rescued, the hope of finding peace and all that. For God has not appointed us to wrath or, you know, to that sword, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that wrath is, is a sharp two-edged sword that Christ will send. Christ died for us. Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with, uh, with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another 
even as also you do. And we know from the other scriptures where it says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Verse 12, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. You know, patience is long-suffering, and sometimes you have to really endure a long time. But see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, because that's where we gain strength. That's where we gain understanding. When we draw close to God. And he will go, grow close to us. So in everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Concerning you. And quench not the spirit. You know the spirit reveals. What the right thing is. What the right thing to do is. But carnal nature seeks to suppress. And war against. Against uh, doing what is right. And doing what is good. And the more it is done, the more the conscience becomes seared to doing the right thing. Verse 20, despise not prophesying. And some, you know, we know are, you know, are contemptible in, in today's society. Some are contemptible toward godly teaching. Those who are in the world, because they are, they show their irreverence and they're disdainful. Verse 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see how peace is the operative word in our life. And sometimes, you know, our nature overtakes us. It overwhelms us. And, and we don't know how to have peace. We act, we react uh, opposite that. Hebrews 12, make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. There's a nature in man that causes him to stumble over his own doings. You know, some, you know, some, you've probably heard, you know, well, uh, stay away from uh, so-and-so because he's got, he, he's got a short fuse. You might also hear someone say, well, uh, you know, I, I, I've got a bad temper. I've been known to have a bad temper, and uh, so watch out. The way of peace, they know not. Instead, they would rather perhaps boast about, you know, I've got this temper, so watch out. It's because they have not the Spirit of God working as it should in their life. And they let their own carnal nature lead them into trouble. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Isaiah chapter 2. And this is our hope. This is what we look for. This is uh, uh, as in regards to having peace. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. 
and many people shall go and say, Come you, and let us walk, go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So there shall be peace on earth. There will be goodwill toward men. And it has to begin in us also because we are going to be a part of that coming peaceful kingdom. So let us avoid being carnal. Let us seek peace and pursue it. Let us follow peace as much as possible with all men. And just as those Christians in other lands hold fast to our faith. Last scripture, I don't think I have that on your handout, but it's Philippians 4, 7. I'll close with this. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus.